Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Uh, I'm glad you're here today. I have an important message to share with you that Jesus is share, has shared with his disciples and is now sharing with me and you today. He's saying, my peace I give to you. My peace is what he says, I give to you. A lot of times people, if they're running for, running for if they're trying to get to, to win Miss America or some contest and they're, they're asked, what do you want for the world? What's one of the, world's, one of the answers people give, right? What do we want? World peace. And that's great, right? We should want peace in the world. But there's something better that the world can offer you that God is not just offering to you, but is ready to give to you today. It's not just something that is an offer that one day you can cash in. It's not like you're buying something that one day will happen, but God is offering you right now in this moment His peace. The world can never deliver on its promises. I mean, it's full promises. I mean, it it can promise wealth, and it can give you wealth, but it can't give you everything that God can give you. It can't give you true peace. It can give you a peaceful existence for your lifetime, but then you're still going to die. So what's going to happen after that? What's the eternal peace that God can give? God can give you peace here and then. So to kind of get us started, today's message comes from John chapter 14. Verses 23 through 29, it's a popular discourse that Jesus is teaching his disciples here. And not only did, do we have questions today for God, why this, why that, what about this promise, what about that promise? His disciples who were with him had promises to them that they didn't see how they could be fulfilled. They had lots of questions for him. This is right before, John chapter 14 is right before the death of Jesus. And there are anxious questions the disciples have. They don't really know that he's going to die necessarily at this point. They're still fighting against that. They don't understand what Jesus is doing. But they know something significant is happening. And Jesus is saying some weird stuff, some concerning things that he continues to go. And so, Peter's the first one to ask in John 13, backing up, he says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus is telling him he's going somewhere. Where are you going, Lord? And he he answers that question. Then then Thomas gets in on the game and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't, what are you you talking about? So how can we know the way? They ask for clarification. And there's this guy named um, Philip. And he asks, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. So he wants clarification because Jesus is talking about going to the Father, and I'm going to the Father, and like, just can you give us more information? I don't have enough to understand what you're talking about now. And so we get to the verse right before we're talking about today, and there's going to be a guy named Judas asking the same question. It's not Judas Iscariot, though. It's a different Judas, all right? People have the same name of Judas, so it's not that one. And he's going to ask the same thing, like, what are you talking about? Why did they have questions? 
Well, they had a lot of questions because Jesus made promises. Here's a promise he made to them. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then he, what? He left them, right? And so, like, that doesn't make sense, right? How can you leave us and not leave us? I would have the same question. He also talked about the Spirit. He said, I'm going to ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. I'm going to give you this Holy Spirit, this Spirit of truth. And He says, the world can't accept this Spirit of truth. It neither sees Him or knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. They had lots of questions. He tells the disciples that, listen, guys, you're not going to see me anymore. Can you imagine that? Like the Messiah that you've been following for years says, I'm about to leave and you're not going to see me anymore. Just the grief I would experience in that would be enough to give anxiety to my heart. But he said, because of what you do, well, I'll just read it for you. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. I had Austin, he's not here today, so I'll pick on him. Last week after church, his son, he used Sawyer as a reference last week, remember? For context, uh, that was the, yeah, what he talked about for context. Anyway, so um, he said, last week he said to, to Sawyer, who was not behaving at the time, and he said, you know, what do we talk about? If you love me, what will you do? obey you. <laughs> and so this is where that comes from. He says, the one who loves me and keeps them, or has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. It's not like this, prove it, but it just says, if you really love me, then you're going to trust me. If you really do love me, then you're going to follow these commands that I give to you. It's not follow me and then I'll love you. Understand that? That's religion. What Jesus is saying is, if you do love me, the overflow of that will be obedience. It's an effect doesn't cause you to love me. It's because of my love for you that I obey. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And here's where Judas asks the question, not Iscariot. It actually puts it in there for us to let us know. Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? So they have all kinds of questions. And Jesus is going to tell them at some point in these next few verses, my peace I give to you. I really want peace in my life. How about you? I really do. I experienced the opposite of peace yesterday when I decided on the hottest day of the year so far to go for about a 20-mile bike ride. I'm not in shape for that, by the way. I took lots of breaks, and I took lots of water. Uh, so I went for a bike ride, and I decided to go to the Astoria Ferry and just take the ferry across the 90th Street and ride through Central Park, which is lovely to ride through. I got to the ferry, and I start to get on. It's an outdoor ferry, right? And I have my bike with me, and I have my ticket. And they say, sir, do you have a mask? I'm like, oh, no, I don't have one. I didn't, I'm riding my bike. I didn't have a mask with me. Well, you can't get on the ferry. I said, well, can you guys provide one? No, we're out of them. Oh, so I, you can't provide, you're going to require a mask, but you can't give me one? Um, and she started getting an attitude with me. I guess probably the way I said it may have sounded like attitude. You know what? Maybe I had attitude. I don't know. I may have had it. Um, I didn't think I did. And uh, so she said, we're out of masks. They go quickly because people don't have them. And I said, well, it seems like the city would 
you know, if they're going to mandate it for public transit, that they should have enough for people or just let people get on because it's outdoors. And so she was like, it's not my issue. I was like, I get it. I get it. I said, so I just can't get on. And so we're just talking. She's a little upset. I'm trying to, you know, calm it. And then out of the blue. So there's not peace, right? She's not mad at me. I'm not mad at her. But there's this object, this, this issue in between us. And we're on both sides of it or either side of it. And neither one of us like it. She thinks it's a dumb rule. I, of course, think it's dumb because I just paid three seventy-five dollars because you have to pay a dollar extra for your bike to get on a, a, a ferry I can't get on. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, this lady that I don't know comes over. and She says, sir, do you need a mask? And I said, is it clean? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> but I guarantee I looked at it first. I looked at it. I did a quick scan. I was like, oh, that's fresh. All right, that's good. I said, thank you so much. And I, I took the, <laughs> I'm not putting on somebody else's mask. That's gross. Uh, and so I said, thank you so much. And I, I took the mask and everybody was peaceful. And she walked away and I scanned my ticket. I got on and I looked back one more time and I made eye contact with her. And I said, thank you so much. She smiled really big. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can not have peace in life over. And things like masks or voting or which, you name it, are so many opportunities for us to lose that peace. But it's also an opportunity for us to be agents of peace, just like that woman did for us. She came in and she saw a problem and she said, hey, I can help be an answer. I can be an agent of peace right now. And she brought peace to the situation and totally helped me out because I was not getting on that ferry. And I kept that mask with me for my, my ferry back that afternoon. There's a lot of things in life that bring unrest. And Jesus is telling you this morning that I will bring peace to you. I want you to read um, with me here in John chapter 14, verse 23 and following. Judas maybe asked this question thinking that, if I ask the right question, maybe God's going to give me this secret answer of knowledge that's going to unlock everything. But here's Jesus' reply to Judas. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me, will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. This is the word of the Lord. A lot of what Jesus is saying here is a repeat. He said 
a lot of these things before, but he's also changing some concepts as well. Earlier, he spoke to his disciples about these many dwelling places in his father's house where he was going to prepare a place for them. Oh, wait, that's right here. I knew that was out of order. He said, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? So remember, he talked about these dwelling places that was, that was being prepared that they would go to one day. But now Jesus says the father will come and instead of going to make a dwelling places with the Father, what's happening now? The Father's going to come and make His dwelling place with you. With those who love Him. With those who keep His word. So it's, it's changed for them. In John's Gospel, he talks about this shift. Instead of it being something, so many times Christianity is viewed, even within the family of Christian, as something that one day will be. When in fact... The Lord's Prayer even tells us, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's, it's, it's about God's kingdom breaking into this world. It's not just about this plan that, oh, there may be hell to pay here, but one day we're going to have heaven to live in, right? There's God's breaking, God is breaking his kingdom into the world now. And, and eternal life for the Christian is not something that happens after death. It's something that begins at the rebirth. This eternal life begins now. Now, it's not in full yet, but here's some things that Jesus talked about. In John chapter 17, verse 3, John writes this, now, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So even while Jesus is preparing these, these heavenly dwelling places with the Father, he's also creating this dwelling place in the present with his disciples. How can you do both at one time? That's a difficult question to answer, which makes a lot of sense why the disciples, the followers of Jesus, had all these questions for him. This doesn't make sense. Well, the re way he does this is through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the advocate or the paraclete and it, it means called alongside, or, or called along beside, actually. And it is that Jesus is going to continue to live among us through the advocate of the Holy Spirit. That's why we, we sing songs like, Come Holy Spirit, Move Among Us. It, there's this connection that we have with the Lord, and that's why we say, as a church, we're connecting people to Jesus and one another. That We believe that's our mission for life, is to make sure every person knows Jesus Christ as their Lord. Jesus says that the Father is going to send the Spirit to be alongside them and to teach them and to remind them of all the things that He said because I'm telling you stuff now and you don't get it, but at one point in the future, it's going to happen and you're going to be like, that's what He was talking about. That's it. Because Jesus will be present with them through the Holy Spirit, they don't have to be anxious. Now, I get it. Sometimes I'm anxious. Anybody else? All right. And I have the Holy Spirit. So I don't want you to hear this as a, oh, I must be doing something wrong. But I want you to hear this as a, as a promise that God is with you even when you don't experience that peace right now. He's still giving it to you. All right? It's still an offering for you. And you still have the power of the Spirit 
living within you and that we can experience more and more as we grow in our faith. John 14 begins, which is backing up to the beginning of this chapter that we're in. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So evidently, these people had a lot of anxiety. And, and rightly so. There was a lot of pressure on them for following Jesus. But after telling his disciples this, now in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And then he closes it up nice and neat and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Guess what they did later on? Their hearts were troubled and they were afraid. Why? Because Jesus died. And everything just came crashing down. And you know what happened at the resurrection? They were still troubled and afraid. There were a lot of unanswered questions. What happened with the body? Are they going to come looking for us? Did they, they're going to think we stole the body? There, there's all kinds of issues that they have. And so when Jesus meets with them, they're frightened after the resurrection. He gives them this greeting, a greeting of peace. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They're locked up because they're afraid they're going to die. And the doors are locked. And then all of a sudden, a resurrected Jesus shows up. That's probably going to make them afraid a little bit too, right? How did you get in here? We had a, the ring alarm. How did you get in here? I mean, we had a video camera there. He didn't even see you. So after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And then again, Jesus said the same thing to them. He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So the, the Greek word for peace is irene. Um, and it is certainly a translation of a Hebrew word known as shalom. And shalom is, is peace. It signifies more than just the absence of conflict, though. I, I tend to short sell what peace is. For me, my default is as long as nobody's you know, yelling or upset, that's good. I'm good with that. I'll just take that. All right? But shalom is much more than that. It's, it's this holistic peace. It's not an absence of conflict, but it's this holistic sense of well-being. It's the kind of peace that the world can't give, even if it gave you everything. It can only come from God, and this gift accompanies the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, it all ties back to what God has given to us. To us, And Jesus breathes into his disciples, and he sends them out. So the, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then the very next verse, he says, and with that, he breathed on them and said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. He tells them, guys, if you love me, you're going to rejoice that I'm leaving you which is not what we naturally think, right? If I would tell my wife that after 21 years of marriage, if you love me, Carrie, you'll be glad that I'm leaving you this year, all right? That doesn't make any sense. That's dumb. But Jesus is doing something that we can't comprehend at this moment. He's doing something that's global, and it's not just global at the time. Like right now, who's the richest person? Is it, is it the Tesla guy? Is he the richest or is it Bezos? It doesn't matter. Let's just name one of them. Be Jeff? Elon. Elon's the richest one, all right? 
He's global. Everybody knows him, right? For the most part, he's global. But Jesus wasn't doing something that was just global to make an impact for his generation. He was doing something that was going to be forever. He was doing something that made no sense. We can understand an Elon Musk. He worked his way to the top. He had ideas. He did these things. He's innovative, all those things. He, he's made a name for himself. He's, he could, I think, literally buy every sports franchise in America, right? He has that much money. We can understand that. We can grasp it. But I don't think we can understand and grasp fully what Jesus has done. He's done something that not only impacted the entire world at the time, but the world for the rest of its existence and beyond. It's changed. And he's giving us the Holy Spirit, which is not just for me to have for my life, not just for you to have for your life, but for every follower of Christ from now until the end of time. Isn't that amazing? The richest person in the world has nothing on this. They can't give you what God can give you. He's preparing them. He's saying, if you, if you understood, you would know. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm going to come back to you. If you love me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I'm not simply leaving you, he says, but there's a purpose in my leaving. I'm going to be with the Father. And later, Jesus will tell them it's to their advantage that He goes away. And this is what He says. But very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the Advocate, which is who? Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Now, I don't know about you. I think I do. But I can imagine... The disciples may not have been 100% convinced that Jesus leaving was a good thing. Amen? Maybe this is not such a good thing. But Jesus tells them that He's telling them this because when these events do occur, when the Holy Spirit does come, then you'll believe. And it was after the resurrection. And only after the resurrection. It wasn't when Jesus told it, but it was after they saw the Lord with the aid of the Spirit that the disciples began to understand the words of Jesus. And they're finally able to rejoice, which happens in John 20, 20. John's Gospel shows us that the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work among the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection in deepening their understanding of Jesus' identity and mission. It was after his death and resurrection, that they finally understood, this is my purpose. This is what you're talking about. This is the peace that you're giving to me. And so it may be hard for you to see where God's working in your life. Just like it was hard for them. And they were with Jesus. I feel like sometimes they had an upper hand, right? Like, I wouldn't have been so hard-headed. I would have listened better, right? They were with Him and they still had issues. And so it may be hard for you to see, but... Receive this promise, okay? Listen. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. God is working in your life. He is fulfilling His promises to you. We often do not understand what God is do doing. We often don't understand how certain events in our lives may be meaningful or result in even anything good. But if you'll spend time with the Holy Spirit, if you'll spend time in prayer, spend time in the Word of God, 
in God's time, you will believe. You will see what He is doing. Even in the midst of terrible events, even in the midst of things that you're praying for and there's still no breakthrough, the Holy Spirit is still working. Everything that happens in life is not God's will. There is evil in the world. There are some things that happen that is not His causing. He's not causing that to happen. But everything that does happen, God can use for good. He's not limited by the evil around it. In fact, the crucifixion was one of the most evil acts ever when the world chose to crucify the one person that could ever save them. And God turned it around because He knew that that was the only way that He could truly bring freedom to His people. The only way He could truly bring life to us. Jesus is telling you this morning, my peace I give to you. So I offer that to you through Jesus, and my prayer is that you would simply receive His peace. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for a chance to hear your words today as powerful as they were then. Lord, they are still powerful now. And we ask very boldly, Lord, that we would be able to receive the peace that you've offered to us, that we would be able to experience the knowledge of who you are, the awareness that you are working in our lives, and the, um, the peace that comes from only knowing the peace that can only come from knowing you, Lord. It's your profound love that's made known to us through the cross. And it's your profound power and love that's made known through the resurrection. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would move powerfully in us, that you, the word who became flesh and lived among us, would continue to make your home with us now as you prepare our eternal dwelling with God Lord, I pray that we would acknowledge and receive your dwelling right here, right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.